Hello and welcome to the Community Call. This call is hosted by the General Youth Division of the United Pentecostal Church International and is sponsored by your generous giving to Sheaves for Christ. I want to thank you for investing in giving. We also want to remind you there is still time to give. Our youth presidents have two weeks from today to finalize their offering total for their districts. Sacrificial investment opens the door to supernatural demonstration and miraculous provision, and we're seeing that taking, pl taking place this year. At least uh, two churches, maybe three churches, will be giving over $100,000 to SFC. We're seeing God responding to their sacrificial investment. We're thrilled to have each of you on the call tonight, whether you are a youth worker or maybe a young leader who has joined us, whether you're joining us live or via the podcast, thank you for taking the time to listen in. We appreciate the work that you do in your local church. You are our heroes, investing in the next generation weekly and even daily. And we thank you for the work that you do on the local church level. The purpose of the General Youth Division is to educate and engage. We want our students to know who they are, and we want them to understand what their purpose is. We want them to understand their apostolic identity, but also be engaged in the work and the mission of the kingdom. Thank you for partnering with us to achieve that goal. I want us to start our call off tonight with prayer. We're going to pray for each of you who are joining us for this call and also for our special guest who will speak, be speaking to us here in just a few moments. Father, we're so grateful for the privilege that we have to serve you, to serve your kingdom, to be a part of the great revival that's happening among the youth of the Apostolic Pentecostal Church today. We're so grateful for the privilege that we have to be a part of youth ministry, to be a part of the United Pentecostal Church. And I pray your blessing right now upon each of the youth workers who are listening in, those who are youth pastors, those who are support staff on youth ministry teams. We pray your blessing on their efforts. You know the challenges they may be facing uh, as they seek to serve this generation. We pray that you would bless their efforts to evangelize their communities and also to disciple the students who are part of their youth ministry. We pray for Brother Paul Pamer as he speaks to us tonight. We pray that you would speak through him and that our lives would be touched by this time that we have together. We thank you for it all. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We are very thankful to have our special guest with us tonight, Pastor Paul Pamer, pastor of the Apostolic Church in Barberton, Ohio. He is a veteran of youth ministry, both on the local level and beyond. He has ministered to thousands of teenagers and young adults in youth camps, youth conventions, as well as North American Youth Congress. Tonight, he's going to be talking to us about longevity in youth ministry. And this is a, a timely topic. It's an important topic today. We're dealing with the challenges of a lot of turnover in youth ministry leadership and our young people having to deal with a lot of transition. And so he's going to talk to us about some keys to increase that tenure in youth ministry. We're thrilled to have Pastor Pamer with us tonight. Pastor Pamer, it's yours. You can take it away. Thank you so much for the NZ. It's a high privilege to be able to be involved in such a great ministry as youth ministry. I'm so appreciative of the General Youth Division and the confidence that the world has in our executives and their wives right now is self-evident as we see the revival that's coming as well as the, the ministries that are being funded. So I appreciate that. I want to talk to you on the subject of longevity in student ministry tonight. It's a topic that I'm passionate about as my wife and I were able to serve full-time for 14 and a half years in a student ministry position and then now still 
we participate in student, student ministry as we're a senior pastor, as we're able to talk to students around the world even till today. It would be a clever query to open any dialogue between student leaders by asking this question. What's something in student ministry that greatly increases effectiveness that everyone can, but few do? And I think that that's obvious, and that answer would be to serve long. I think a building block of student ministry is the same as that of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 9 says that God is faithful. That's something that all of us can do. We can't be omnipotent omniscient. There's no way to do the things that God does, but we can be faithful. And so as a student worker, it's important to understand whether you're beginning in your first few days of student ministry, or you're thinking about beginning it, or you're a Bible college student, or you've been doing it a while and you're maybe a little bit buzzed or burned out. As you are faithful in your post and you serve, the longer you serve, the more faithful you become, and faithful is effective. Faithful is effective. Because the truth of the matter is, in any level of ministry, always remember that trust only follows faithfulness. I think is a natural function because God is faithful. When men and women prove themselves to be faithful, people naturally begin to trust them. Certainly, students in today's world have everyone quit on them, so you shouldn't. Essentially, the issue of longevity is addressing this question. When is it permissible for me to quit? Now, make no mistake, you need to understand that when you're serving in your post or beginning your post or in your post, post now, you need to know your pastor, these students, and all of their parents and support group, they need you. They need you to be faithful. They need you to continue. They need you to be creative, skillful, and anointed. And as you do that over a period of time, you prove yourself to be faithful, and they will trust you. It's important that you address this season of your ministry as your calling. And the, the, the thing that I want to focus on right here is to understand that what I'm doing in student ministry right now, whether that's an elite position, a supporting position, whatever that is, it is your call. And as you treat it as a call, it's different because now it doesn't matter what part of the call you're serving in, it's your call. It's interesting as you study the tabernacle in the Old Testament that different families in Israel were tasked with different things that they were supposed to do. It was their call. And they did that the entire life of the tabernacle they always did the same thing. You wouldn't want to show up one, one day and we walk to the holy place and we go to the table of showbread and the Carsons forgot to set up the bread. How awkward would that be? If you walk over to the altar of incense 
and oh my goodness, the Johnsons forgot to put up their their altar today, and then you go into the holy place, obviously, there are the Enzies, nope, the ark didn't make it. Well, obviously, you have to fulfill that post as long as we've got the tabernacle. We've got the tabernacle, and those students are there every week. We have to prove ourselves to be faithful, and they'll trust us. So as we address this issue of longevity, we have to know that this calling, until it changes, whether it's a higher calling comes that will be initiated by God, validated by our pastor, or till the day that we're disqualified, God forbid, that's our call. This is what we're there to do. Nothing can prepare us for adult ministry better than tenured student ministry. I can speak to this directly as I was a student pastor for a long time and now I've been privileged to serve as a senior pastor for three and a half years. Nothing could have, could have prepared me better to be a senior pastor than to be a student pastor. I went to Bible college. It, it didn't prepare me as much as student pastoring did. I've traveled and preached around a little bit. It didn't prepare me like student pastoring did. Learning the dynamics of evangelism of students, discipleship of students, program development, and then of course moving on to other things like fundraising, creativity, all of those things are mirrored in adult ministry. And so as you serve and you're tenured, it prepares you for adult ministry. In my opinion, typically what the, the biggest threat to longevity in student ministry is this. Student workers don't understand the responsibilities. So for the remainder of our time, I just want to talk to you a little bit about your responsibilities. Number one is to maintain doctrinal and moral integrity. That's the first responsibility for longevity in student ministry. You must maintain your doctrinal and moral integrity. Now, if you're struggling in either of these areas, you need to come clean with your pastor and move forward on his advice. But you have to maintain that. The truth of the matter is, you may think your cell phone contract's a long contract, but you're on a lifetime contract. That's maybe the only thing that you have in, con in common with Ginsburg, Sotomayor, and Stephen Breyer is you're all on a lifetime contract. These students are going to follow you on social media and your life the rest of your life. You cannot fail doctrinally or morally. The second thing, your responsibility is to make the investment to make good saints. In order for the church to continue to thrive and have revival, there has to be a revival-centered organized ministry for students 12 to 18. I thank God for the General Youth Division. They help us do this. We have to partner with them as they partner with us and make good saints. The third thing is we must train our team and our replacement. You cannot transition out of student ministry, in my opinion, until the culture is stable, the team is capable, 
and the replacement is obvious. Jesus dedicated the majority of his time to training. He was intentional about how things would be when he left. The worst thing that Jesus could have done would have, would have been to leave it in chaos. If the mighty God in Christ spent three years training the twelve, then me and you have to spend time in training. The reality is your ministry will not be measured by the size of your crowd when you're passing out fish and loaves. Your ministry will be measured by the development of Simon Peter, James, and John. Jesus left when the disciples were ready. As soon as they were ready, he trusted the system, he turned it over, and he went to the cross. The success of Pentecost was made possible because of the integrity, the investment, and the training that was made by Jesus. At this point, we're going to have some q and I'll turn it over to Brother Johnson. Thank you so much for that amazing message about longevity and what a topic for all of us. Um, we do have some questions that have come in and uh, looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it. The first question we have come in is, as you've gotten older, and uh, yes, we are getting older, unfortunately, have you found it increasingly difficult to connect with students? And if so, how have you managed with that? I think it's a, it's a, a natural function of being, getting older that you're only going to be able to reach to a certain bandwidth of age a few years older, a few years younger, for your greatest effectiveness. I think the way to, and everyone will deal with that, but I think that the way to deal with that, and this is important, is surrounding yourself with a team of youth workers that can reach to all people. When, when, when we assembled our staff, we made sure that there were people on our staff that were still cool. When I stopped being cool, and my, my wife had to maybe mention to me when that time came, we had to get younger and get younger, and your staff will help you stay young. Excellent. Do you, do you have any publications that you recommend for uh, just to keep current with what's happening in youth culture? I, I think that the best thing that you can do is be aware of some, some websites that address culture, I think we have such a great opportunity to find some, some wholesome but yet still plugged into culture um, things on social media. I don't think that there's anything that could, be, could identify where students are at and what they're talking about than some different handles on Instagram and, and Twitter. And I think that, that the best thing you can do is, is learn what students are talking about, tweeting about, tagging about. And then that, that'll keep you current. Let's get raw for just a moment. Um, can you share with us a, a moment in your student ministry when you really felt like, man, this is, this is the night. Uh, I'm done. It's just things aren't going as planned. How did you overcome that moment? And uh, just, just share your feelings uh, on that night. I'll tell you a, a real quick story. 
I I had had planned a, a concert and we had brought in a band and I'll even tell you who the band was because you'll all know who they are. I, I brought in Graceful Closure and it was an absolute failure. I had it at a, at a dumb time on a Saturday at like two in the afternoon and it was an absolute failure. And when I left that, I was embarrassed, I was humiliated that I brought them in, I lost a ton of money on the deal, no one came. And I thought to myself, man, this, is, this has got to be the end of it for PJ. But I had to realize it wasn't, a, it wasn't a failure in my effectiveness, it was a failure in my planning. I had not planned enough, I had not brought enough people to the table, I made some decisions on a white horse out in the field by myself, and that's why it was a failure. I said all that to say, the way that you turn it, the way that I feel you can turn it around, is you have to address that your failures are typically planning failures. And to have planned well is to have done well. And if you'll plan and involve people, collaborate with more people, that can that can extend your ministry. If you're only doing it by yourself, I think that's where where burnout comes from. Well, that's excellent. So what happens in a situation where you empower a team and the plan is together and once you get everyone set, say, okay, this is the night, and then someone on your team fails and what they promised you they didn't do, how do you prepare for the next event? Well, I think that the, the, the most important thing in that moment, Brother Johnson, is you've got to own it as the leader. Don't ever allow any member of your team to take a responsibility for that, even if it was their fault. I feel like, and I still try to practice this, this is something my dad, uh, who was a great student leader, both on the local and the national level, as well as he was a, a great student a senior pastor for many, many years and now oversees our church. He always taught me this, that if there's a failure, it's a leadership failure. In that, I've got to look at that and say, not what did that member of my team do wrong or what they could have done better, but I've got to look at this and say, as the student pastor or as the senior pastor, what did, do I need to do better? And as you own that mistake, number one, the group's going to respond to the mistake better and you're going to overcome it. The team's going to tr going to going to be impressed that you owned it, but most importantly, it's going to teach that team member that maybe could have done better a very powerful lesson. And that's that this this issue was so important that the student pastor stepped in, owned it, and hopefully you'll gain some loyalty and better effort from them the next time. That's excellent. And thank you for leading by example in that area. Let me ask you this question. What has been one of the most effective things you've done the youth pastor in terms of bringing growth and momentum to your group? The thing that I, I feel that I, I, would, I, I would say would address that is you've got to find things in your culture that you can maximize off of. For example, whether it's the first day of school, the last week of school, something that, that leading, you know, doing an, an outreach event, tagging in to see at the poll. Use things that are in your culture and plan for that 
and market, 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 market. Let me give you an example. I think some of the, to answer your question directly, what were some of the best things that we did? I, I look back and I, I think about, of course, the God moments, the spiritual times that we had. And I think that it was when, when we would have our, our, every year, our spiritual highs would be our retreat, our net retreat that we would do every year, and then, of course, youth camps and youth congress every other year. As we took time each year to sit down as a staff and, and make sure we're going we're gonna to plan for these events, we're going to let the parents know in time that they can save the money, the students, they can raise the money, that, that we're going to market it so everyone can go, and then we're going to do fasting chains, and we're going to have prayer meetings. And as we worked for that, or an overseas trip, as we worked and planned ahead of that time, then you put your group in the best position for that retreat, for those youth camps, or of course for Youth Congress. Youth Congress, as great as it's going to be in Indianapolis, and I can't wait to get there, will do nothing for a student who doesn't come. So it's my job, your job, to plan, to work, to fundraise, to get as many kids there so that I can maximize that event. That event will be great for as many kids that get there. So my advice would be on this point, my best events were the ones that we just piggybacked on, on Youth Congress being great, and that's what I would advise you to do as well. Uh, that's excellent. I, I spoke to a youth pastor earlier today um, who is trying to do his very best, but he's had some health problems come his way. And just speaking to him and knowing the topic you're going to speak about, I want to ask you this question. If it was just ministry is one thing, but you have to manage the family. You have to manage some. Many on the call tonight have a full-time job outside of ministry. What are some practical things that you can tell them on managing all those various pieces? Well, I think, Brother Johnson, that's a great question. And that's something that, that certainly you will have to deal with as you continue down this trail of longevity. You know, Levent and Dubner wrote, wrote a book, Thinking Like a Freak or Think Like a Freak, and, and one thing that they, they addressed is one of the most difficult things in the world to admit is, is that I don't know. And I think that sometimes you have to address this subject not having all the answers, not knowing exactly what to do in juggling this, but just to simply admit, I don't know what to do. But in that, that transparency to whether that's your senior pastor or your family, they appreciate that and that moves you forward. I think the most important thing structurally is to prioritize. Your family always has to be first. The worst thing that could ever happen, and, and I think that I made mistakes in this sometimes, is that I allowed the running here and there and taking students places and coming in late and different things. While my wife was a very, very active student worker, there was just demands that, that came upon me, Bible studies or school visits or weekly Bible studies that pulled me away from my family some, and that was a mistake. And I think that we've got to listen. When our family begins to say that we, we that they need their time, we've got to listen to that, and we've got to respond. And and don't be afraid to admit that there's that you could do better in this area.
because it is something that, that you will continually have to deal with because our family is the most important. And the most effective that you'll be as a student worker is obviously to be effective first as a family person. Excellent. Um, I enjoyed one year because of the times we had a chance to run together. That was a great time with Brother Enzi, Brother Karsten. And um, obviously you do some running, but is it more than just exercise? I find it to be an outlet for me, exercise. Talk to us about the things you do in your free time to prevent some of this burnout that we're talking about. Well, I think, I think that you touched on something that, that is very important. I'll be honest, I'm not just saying this because of, of who's on the call, but I decided to, to run my first marathon because of Michael Lindsay. He was so inspiring in his Running for Life campaign that that was the single solitary reason I started to run. And I, so I give him a little shout for that tonight. Um, running is something that, 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 that I enjoy doing. I think that anything that you do, it needs to bring release and joy to your life. And so what I would say is, for me, I run, it's, you're outdoors, I'm up early in the morning, you know, it's easy to hear from God early in the morning, and, and it's good for you physically. I think that that's something that you need to, to, to be mindful of, is, to, is being strong physically in your body and, and in it being healthy, that'll help you. Also for our, our comrades in camo, I think that it's, um, I also do a little deer hunting. I think that those are things that are good. It tags you in with different groups of, of, your, of your church, your student group. You can talk to them about, about different things that you do. And being up in it, there's nothing as peaceful as being up in a tree uh, as the sun comes up and praying that, that one of God's most beautiful creatures comes out and, and says hello to me. So I think those things are all really good because you've got to clear your mind out, and, and those things will do that. I think that was all excellent. The only thing you missed was trout fishing, but um, I'll just mention that right <laughs> I need here. you to take me, Matt. Hey, I'm ready. Listen, you've had some excellent content. We thank you so much for investing in this call tonight. We're now going to turn to Brother Carson, who has a few announcements before we uh, close in prayer. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone that has joined the call and those that are following along on social media. Uh, for anyone that had any glitches getting signed on tonight, maybe join the podcast uh, or the call late. It will be filed as a podcast and be available here very soon on the community.com, and we will make sure that that's published out to everyone. I uh, do want to let you know just very uh, quickly about a couple important things. The community website if you have not taken a look at that since it's been updated or maybe you're newer to youth ministry and haven't yet got onto the community website, this is full of resources for you. It's been completely overhauled and like Brother P.J. Pamer who's on the call, myself, I was actually a student pastor for 12 years, not very far from where Pastor Pamer is at. And uh, so being a student pastor for that many years I know how valuable it was to have such a resource as the community 
website. So take time and get on that. We're very excited also about the P7 Bible and the P7 notebooks that have been released. So take some time and jump on Pentecostal Publishing House. Uh, go to the P7 website. Find your way to these incredible new resources. Coming up here very soon at the end of the month at our general conference on that Friday at noon will be our general conference youth day service. Uh, we hope everyone that's on the call will have the opportunity to be there for that. We're looking forward to an incredible day where we celebrate She's for Christ and celebrate the students of the United Pentecostal Church. Also, we want you to make plans right now to be on for the next community call. That's going to take place October the 4th at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, you'll start seeing social media promotion going out immediately following tonight's call about the next community call. So please make, make your uh, plans now. Go ahead and get registered to be a part of the event that night. Thanks to everyone who's taken time to be on the call. Let's pray that this word would settle into our spirit before we exit here tonight. Lord, we love and we thank you. Thank you for the words that have been spoken to us. Thank you for the wisdom that has been shared. Help us to take what we have heard tonight and to apply it to our lives. Help us, each one, to be not only effective, but help us to stay the course as we apply what we've heard about longevity in student ministry into our lives and into our personal ministries. We ask it and we ask blessings upon every youth worker that's striving to please you and fulfill your will in their local youth ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for taking time to be on the call tonight, and we look forward to talking to you again next month. You have been listening to The Community Call. For other great youth resources, be sure to check out thecommunity.com. Thank you for joining us, and have a great night. Oh,